from KQED. Every December, there is one day that many in the Bay Area look forward to all year long. A day full of festivities, friends, good cheer. A day to dust off your Santa suit, join 17,000 of your closest friends, and test your alcohol tolerance. I first encountered SantaCon in 2014 when I went out to San Francisco with a friend. And I saw people in Santa costumes and I had no idea what was going on. This is Alyssa Poe from Berkeley. Over the years, she's happened upon San Francisco's SantaCon a few times. You'll see people wearing some version of a Santa costume, and they'll just be going from bar to bar in big groups of Santas. Think bar crawl meets Christmas parade. Now, Alyssa saw all this happening on San Francisco streets and got to wondering. What are the origins of SantaCon? Today, the biggest SantaCon is in New York. And you can find them happening all across the globe, in places like London, Melbourne, and Tokyo. But what most people don't know is the roots of this drinking holiday were formed right here in San Francisco. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and you're listening to Bay Curious. This week, we dive into the history of SantaCon and its countercultural roots. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Here to talk all things SantaCon is Sonia Paul. Hey, Sonia. Hey. We start the story back in 1994 in San Francisco. Tell us about how SantaCon got its start. So back in the day, there was this group called the Cacophony Society. And it was basically an urban prank and exploration group. The group was most active in the late 80s and into the 90s. And they would do all these different events, like let's have a party in the laundromat, or they would explore underground tunnels. Another event they talk a lot about was called Kill Your TV, where they amass about 500 TV sets and put them in the middle of the road and then just destroyed them. Do we know who in the Cacophony Society created SantaCon? Yes. I'm Robert Schmidt. I'm the guy that started an event called SantaCon, or what is called SantaCon now. He's in his early 50s, and he's very, like, shy and modest. I never really liked having my name in the press. So Rob was at his friend Annie's house, and the two of them were designing costumes for one of the cacophony events. And I saw a postcard of Santa's playing pool in a bar. She got this postcard from a, a girl that did a Santa Claus theme camp at Burning Man. 
The first theme camp at Burning Man was Christmas camp, where they were just like dress up as Santa, play Christmas carols, drink eggnog, like feel the Christmas spirit. Merry Christmas! So after Rob saw the postcard of the Santas playing pool, he brought up his idea to dress up as Santa at a cacophony society meeting. People in the meeting are like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard of. But at least a few other people were into it. And they eventually had another smaller meeting just to plan this event that would become SantaCon. Everybody wanted me to rent a bus, so I I rented a bus. As a way to transport Santas all around the city. I think that gave momentum to people to actually buy the suits. So what was he thinking when he was first kind of conceptualizing this event? How did sort of he imagine it might unfold? Well, Rob first just thought it could be a fun event where they would crash company Christmas parties. We're talking Christmas parties for like uh, radio stations like Live 105. It was not supposed to be a pub crawl at all. (laughs) What was the first one like? So they met up at the Embarcadero at around 7 p.m., 38 Santas. At the time, there was like an ice skating rink around there. Had a pile of ice shavings near the rink. They found the ice shavings and had a lot of fun because everybody's making snowballs and having snowball fights. And then the bus took them to the Emporium Capwell, which is an old department store. Because at the time, at the top of the Emporium Capwell, there used to be a kitty carnival during the holidays, complete with a Ferris wheel. It looks like a sleigh when you're flying through the air and stuff like that. And it was, it was a beautiful sight to see 38 Santas on a Ferris wheel on top of the Emporium Capwell. So it sounds like more than a bar crawl, it was like a night of mayhem. Yeah, they also like ended up crashing a debutante ball. And there was a columnist who was in charge of writing about San Francisco high society. And she wrote, they're probably at the wrong event, but we're glad they came by. <laughs> now, this was a counterculture event. So were there like anti-Christmas elements? One of the other Cacophony members was this man named John Law, who some people might know as one of the co-founders of Burning Man. And during the first SantaCon, uh, John Law wore a body harness underneath his Santa suit because he later allowed his friends to use that harness to hang him from a steel scaffolding. And so it would look like Santa was being hung in the middle of the street. There were no kids on the street when we did it. Okay, I want to qualify that. That was not the point to horrify some kid. You know, the point was to completely and absolutely deconstruct and make fun of this holiday. Did people drink a lot of alcohol at the first one? I mean, maybe some people drank alcohol, but it was not meant to be an alcoholic event. Cacophony Society had a uh, policy at events where you didn't drink unless it was advertised in the newsletter. Take me to the second SantaCon, 1995. How many people show up? How is it different? You know, it sounds like it had a pretty different vibe, like right off the bat. The second year, when we had 100 people or 125 people, it became a booze fest. The second SantaCon is bigger and a little bit more rambunctious. Some Santas are making out with each other. Um, There's more alcohol involved. And with that, a lot of different things happen, too. And so year three, 1996, where does it go from there? So yeah, it spread to Portland that year. And yeah, like throughout the years, it just ended up growing and growing. The thing that I think made SantaCon grow very fast was the internet. 
So over the years, this event had several names. Like someone said it was called Cheap Suit Santas or advertises Cheap Suit Santas. I've also heard of Santa Palooza. What Rob himself prefers is Santarchy because it's like Santa Anarchy. And so that's generally the name he likes to use when he talks about this event. What does Rob think of what SantaCon has become today? He feels uncomfortable that it's like a big drunken mess because that was never the intention. But he's like, you know what? If people are going out and having fun um, and this makes them want to do something else together, he's like, I'm all for it. All right. Well, Sonia Paul, thank you so much for swinging by and telling us all about SantaCon. Thanks. Thank you. I'll admit, when we started working on this story, I didn't think SantaCon was much more than a drunken mess. But if you dig in a little bit, you see it's really sort of this delightful vestige of the creative risk-taking the city is known for. This year, SantaCon might look a little bit different on the streets of San Francisco, though. The event was denied a permit for amplified sound in Union Square. But from all indicators, thousands of Santas will still be celebrating on the streets on December 8th. One last point to hit on the way out. While researching the story, we found some other historical accounts that have attributed SantaCon's origins to a celebration in Denmark. But we checked with the SantaCon creator, Rob, and he says, nope, that wasn't on his radar when he started the San Francisco event. This week's episode was produced by the amazing Jessica Blachek. Thanks to Alyssa Poe for asking the question. Ho, ho, ho! Bay Curious is made by the public radio elves in San Francisco at KQED. Ho, ho, ho! I'm Olivia Ellen Bryce. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, this Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.